Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Monday, March 14, 2022. We are looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? The first thing we have on the docket is it's Pi Day. Anybody that went through school should be familiar with Pi Day 314. March 14th every year is Pi Day. Did anybody get a pie in the face today? They sure did. It was the Johnny-come-latelys. Who are the Johnny-come-latelys? They're the traders, and right of the vertical is today's activity. They're the traders that hopped on board up here thinking it was going to be a runaway rally. It could have been. It might be another day. But today was Pi Day. Back to business. What's going on on the daily chart? The trend is down. The trend is your friend. You know what happens when she throws your shit out the window. Let's discuss what's going on around the horn this week, where price is, what's likely to happen in at least one of the schematics from inside my head. We always have the Russia thing on the docket. You're going to get Russia as an excuse for either a rally or a decline. It's very convenient. A rumor floats, they're meeting, they're going to resolve whatever, and the rally ensues. All of a sudden, they pull the rug out. No, it was just a rumor. They're bombing stuff. That's the way these things go. So don't necessarily listen to the Russian news cycle. They just use that as an excuse for each and every movement in the market when they need an excuse. But it's on the docket nonetheless. The second thing is we have Kabuki Theater. This week, the Fed meets. They meet on Tuesday, culminating in Wednesday. They'll have an announcement and a press conference. It's likely they're going to raise interest rates one quarter of 1%, also known as 25 basis points. None of that really makes a difference at this point. What does make a difference is two things. A, whether or not the Fed surprises the market by doing something that it hadn't projected, or B and B, it's either and or B, which is the market reaction to whatever the Fed says. So whether or not it's a surprise or not, if the market reacts big, it will be a surprise by definition. We know they can whip them in both directions, but let's talk more specifically about what's really on the docket. So right now, they're teetering with this low here. Whether or not that breaks, we'll find out tomorrow, maybe Wednesday, but likely tomorrow. Let's say they kill them overnight. The next thing is the low from February 24th. Now, here's where my likely scenario comes in. You have the Fed, you have Russia, all this stuff. It's a great excuse week for the market to get some work done in the southern direction. Everybody thinks the trap door is opening. Everybody runs for the hills. The stops get triggered below February's low, and what do they do? So let's draw it out real quick. So let's just say they break February's low. Let's get some numbers, and let's figure out what's down there. So it's at 410. So what's the next big-time, likely, big, fat, round number target? It's 400. So now we're going to use logic. Sometimes they come up short. Sometimes they spike it through. We're looking at a big picture. The big picture is whatever's driving this market is not from a five-minute chart. It's a monthly chart. It's a weekly chart. It's the combination of both or whatever. 
Maybe it's an annual chart. Really doesn't matter. It's a larger turn that took place. The market went up for many, many years. It put in a top, and now something is driving or pulling the market down. That particular thing is not a short time frame type of thing. Just to put a visual with it, you look at the monthly chart, and you have a 20-period moving average that hasn't been visited by the market since May of 2020. We're close. Is that going to draw the market in? Maybe it will. Right now, it sits down at around 208 and a half. Let's say they spike it through. They're getting close to the big fat round number of 400. It's around 4,000 in the ES contract. Either right in front of it or right below it, there's likely to be garden variety of buy the dip crowds type of support. It's far enough away from the previous low to think they're trading into or falling through the trapdoor or into the abyss. And yes, they could certainly fall farther. That's an intraday type of situation for inside the number members. But hear me out on this. So you've got the Fed going. So the market reacts to whatever it reacts, whether it's before the Fed, during the Fed, rumor mill, Russia, combination, doesn't really matter. So let's just say between Tuesday and Wednesday, the market's trading down there. They've broken the lows. They're teetering with, they're playing games with the big fat round number. Maybe they spike through it. And by the way, when we say come up short or spike it through, when you're talking about big time numbers like this off big time frames, you could be talking about 50 S&P handles, 70 S&P handles on either side. That kind of counts for coming close or spiking it through. That can all happen intraday. Remember, wide swings in both directions. And by the way, I'll throw something else at you. This is for those traders that have taken the course, lazy e-mini trader. Guess what Wednesday is? Wednesday is an on-time type of day. Quite interesting how that works. Any accidents or coincidences? I think not. The Fed has their meeting culminate on Wednesday with an interest rate announcement and also a press conference. You're bound to get some volatility on Wednesday. Can you get a spike lower and a reversal on Wednesday? You can. We don't know what will happen. Again, we're just inside my head talking through a potential schematic for this week. What happens intraday happens intraday. This is a video on Monday night. There's an element here where we just have some fun with the unknown. But this schematic definitely falls into the I've seen this before camp. And by the way, speaking of wide swings in both directions, speaking of the rumor mill, who knows what happened while I'm making this video? Right now, it's not that much after 4 o'clock. Guess what? All of a sudden, the market's trading up. This includes the after-hours activity. The market was down here at a low under 416 before the close. Now, they're up at 418 after the close. Like, 20 minutes after the close. To my point from earlier, there's really no point in going over all of the intraday charts because the market is teetering down at these levels here. So if this breaks, and here's a big breakup candle, if this breaks, then it opens a door for these lows down here, somewhere in between or lower, and that's your February 24th low anyway. So you can see we're at a very, very critical point in the market, both in time and in price. 
Let's go over inside the numbers today. What we're going to do is run through some of the commentary. I'm going to highlight some important stuff. I'm going to scroll up, let you read the whole thing. I urge you to pause the video, read the notes, and go back to the chart to double-check the work. Then what we do is circle back to stocks on the move that are provided for traders who are inside the number members before the opening bell. Happy Monday. It's quad witching options expiration week plus a dose of Kabuki theater. By the way, remiss, I didn't mention before, it's also quad witching options expiration week. That's another added dose of volatility in the hopper. As such, weird stuff should happen this week under normal garden variety market conditions. So we get down to the numbers. SPY 423 is the key figure this morning. It's really what the bulls need to get a repair operation from last week underway. Here's the visual. Right of the vertical is today's activity, 423. They run up there. It is resistance for a while. They try and get above and they fail and they never look back. So 423 was the key figure. We have some numbers above, but we're going to narrow that down once the day starts to get underway. So when we scroll up, you'll see different numbers. However, on the flip side, 419 is important. Now the second line is 419, so you could see what happened. Once the failure happened up north, they did come down to 419. There was nothing I could find in between. And that only held up for a short period of time. But you still have to know your numbers, don't you? Under 419 is trouble for the bulls. It's where the bears get excited. There's been a wide swing overnight. This is at 9 o'clock. It puts this morning as an anything-goes-during-rush-hour scenario. That did turn out to be pretty much the case. Now, we had 419, but I also wanted to note, if they drop them quick, just in case, as a just-in-caser, 417.60 down to 417, there should be a bounce back in the other direction. Back to the visual, you could see it was important but the bounce back in the other direction was paltry at best. And by that time, the commentary is already saying stuff that was reflective of what type of day it turned out to be. This was before the opening bell. Remember, we're just talking numbers right out of the chute. So let me scroll up. There's other numbers that are important. 421.95 to 422. Just as an example, the top line was moved down to 421.95. What's the high in this candle? About 421.97. How you doing? And what we're saying at 932 is the first support area down south is 419. So look at this. Again, with the visual. By 945, the low is 419.11, and they had the rip back in the other direction. Funny how that works. 932, 419, give or take. Nice rip on NTES. We'll get back to stocks on the move later. What I want to do is scroll up. You get the point. You saw some highlights. We're going to go over the stocks. But what I want you to do is read the notes. Go back to the chart and double check the work. You're going to see a lot of important information in here. If you're at all interested or already active in the market during the trading day, then this is something that can help guide you throughout the trading day. You have the numbers, you have the commentary, you have what the thought process is. When there's an obvious trade, you have an obvious trade. You have support and resistance. You want to take a short, you know where the resistance is. 
You want to take a long, you know where the support is. If they break the support, what do they do? They go to the next number, the next important number, which below current price makes it by definition support. Here's stocks on the move. And by the way, one last comment on the ES or the SPY, which is this. What happens if you're the trader trying to play the market long? Do you need to know what the important number is where the market falls apart? And the answer is yes. That could save you a bundle. Same thing on the flip side. If you're shorting the market, do you need to know the number that lights the match for the next short squeeze? Well, that's generally inside the commentary inside the numbers. And the answer is, yeah, you need to know that too. So regardless of which side of the market you're on, you need to know your numbers. All right, now we're going to take a look at all five stocks on the move today. We had Apple, N-T-E-S-A-U, BABA, and J-K-S. 150.40 was the spot on Apple, but you could see what happened. Came up short, hovered around it, hit it on the button over here. The low was 150.40 on the button, and then into the end of the day, that's pretty much where they settled in. So we know that number's important, although Apple did not produce a tradable event. NetEase did produce a tradable event. So check this out. The opening print, 71.28. My number, 71.28, 69.47. They come into the second number, spike it a little bit, rip back in the other direction, making a high of 75.75 within about 20 minutes of trading. And by the way, what's your average price? You're either in at the second number because you didn't buy the first one, opening up on the first one, or you bought the first one, and your average is about $70.40. That's a headfirst slide into third base with five or six bucks in 20 minutes. In the live room, Jordan got this one. A lot of traders in the room got this one. It was a great way to start the week. How about Baba? $78.99 on the board at zero dark 30. Traders in the room also got a taste of Baba today. Now, all the Chinese stocks were getting crushed this morning. I did have a very select one or two on the list. They had to be pristine numbers. It's very dangerous to be trading these Chinese stocks now. Either way, great way to start the day in the week. NTES and BABA, right out of the chute. Frankly, at the time, who cares what the S&P was doing? It's not about where, it's just about making money. You either do or you don't. Doesn't matter how. AU did it into the end of the day. Nobody's taking that trade with no time left on the clock, but the numbers work. JKS gave the base hit on the first number, gave the base hit on the second number. If anybody took that trade in the afternoon, don't know whether they did or didn't, but the good news is the numbers work. The last one was Alcoa. It was a real-time type of trade. It was just given to the live room members, 72.77 early in the morning. They came into it. They bounced off of it. They did the deal, pulled up into second base with a stand-up double. So we classify a morning like this in the inside the numbers and inside the numbers live room as a successful morning, regardless of what the S&P did. We got our piece of flesh. What's going on over in Camp IWM. Now, all of a sudden, just like a flip of a dime, 
the IWM, which is my favorite market-leading indicator, is now leading to the downside. Not necessarily all the markets, but as compared to where it is against the S&P and this low over here from the 8th of March, the IWM is now below and has closed below those lows, officially opening the door for the February 24th low in the IWM. Whether they break the low, come up short, we don't know yet. It's all the same market type of situation. If everything's going to get thrown out with the bathwater, then they all go down. Remember, this is the weekly chart. This was a bearish pattern from the weekly chart we've been looking at. They've been riding the 100-period moving average. The only thing we were trying to hang our hat on, if there was something to hang our hat on, was this pivot low here, which was a tail low. But if you remember, really didn't have good enough volume. Not like the other markets. When you look at the weekly chart of the S&P, there was a spike in volume that week, but again, wasn't tremendous, but they're now teetering on giving up that low. Weekly close below that low is a big problem. That goes with all that discussion from before. We'll talk about Kabuki Theater, what might happen intro week. What really is the most important thing is, where do they close this thing by Friday at 4 p.m.? That's the ticket. If they trade underneath during the week, spike back up and close the week positive between Thursday and Friday as a hypothetical part of the schematic, the one from inside my head, if that happens, that's actually a bullish move. What about the folks down at the transportation department? We'll start on the weekly chart, and this is a bear flag pattern riding underneath the 50-period moving average. There's really nothing good on the weekly chart in terms of the bearish pattern. The only thing that really takes this off the table is getting above the 20-period moving average, which takes the scare of the bear flag pattern off the table. On the daily chart, they're just into these moving averages, which they've been back and forth through, so it diminishes the importance of these moving averages. So what do we have a hang our hat on? 15,400. If they get above and close the day above 15,400, that would be a bullish type of behavioral event. Look at the Q people. Look where they are as it relates to the February 24th low. 318.26. What was the low today? 317.45. They spiked the low, closed back above it, that's not bullish. They just haven't closed below it yet. You see this 100-period moving average on the weekly chart? It's not that meaningful any longer. It was meaningful here when they hit it that week that the market bottomed, but now they're retesting the low, and they've already hit the 100-period moving average. This is the third week in a row. It's really meaningless at this point. A spike of 300 is potentially in the cards like a 295 type of thing. If they're throwing everything out with the bathwater, a spike of 300 should produce a snapback in the other direction. Call it 295 for argument's sake. 291.50 on a super spike. Put that on a sticky note. How about the financials? So the financials didn't get killed today. They're weak. They're in a downtrend. Remember, you have Kabuki Theater. You have an interest rate thing going on. So there's a lot of positioning going on in the financials. They're kind of whippy. Speaking of interest rates, we'll take a sabbatical from the financials and we'll bring up 
TBT. This is our latest exit from the Lazy Swing Trader product. Entry down at 1636, two exits. The final one or the second one was today at 2050. They went a little higher. They could go up to 2150. That was my exit. That was the trade. Some traders may be holding a trailer. That's okay. That's trader's choice. I intend to trade this back and forth many times. But with Kabuki Theater on the docket this week, I was happy to get the target, get out, let the Fed do what they're going to do, let this thing do what it's going to do, and we'll look for another entry when the chart sets up accordingly. Those of you that remember, we did a double dip on this one. Not only did we have TBT, but we also had TBT options that we made a pretty penny on as well. TBT is the opposite of TLT for the most part. TLT is the 20 plus year bonds, so 20 to 30 year treasury bonds. The price of bonds come down when interest rates go up. So what was this trade? This trade was taking advantage of the obvious rising interest rate environment. Nice trade. 30 year interest rate. Here's the breakout line. This is a weekly chart. That's a bullish pattern. That's a breakout. We were playing it long. Everything was correct. See, they're coming up to this double top. The question is, are they going to blow right through the double top? Or will they find overhead resistance and pull back in garden variety fashion? With the Fed on the docket, double top on the horizon, I took the profit and will wait on the sideline for an opportunity to redeploy the capital. That's the way we roll. Smash mouth, melting away. SMH, which is the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, is a good proxy for the tech space as a whole. You saw the weakness in the Q people. The semis are weak. Unless there's a rescue operation sponsored by the Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate Crew, we're likely to get some kind of a flush out this week. Here's the weekly chart. If the semis can run a spike down into and through this 100-period moving average, you'll find the defense comes in around these pivot lows or before. You see how that matches up. The pivot low came in before the 100-period moving average. So we just want to note there's no accidents or coincidences that that's in the same general zone. 221, 220, in that neighborhood, garden variety chart support. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're pulling the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.